I spent most of my elementary school days convinced by my parents that I was the smartest, most wonderful, most beautiful little girl that had ever been born and seen the light of day or walked and talked. My, bro- my mother diligently taught me to read before I started the first grade. She did such a good job I got to skip the second grade. I thought I was hot or super adorable and too smart for words. We went to the Presbyterian Church, and I remember reciting the 23rd Psalm at a dinner in the church basement. I had just come down with the measles, and I had red spots on my tummy, but only on my tummy. And Mother wanted me to have my hour in the spotlight so much that she took me anyway, and I infected most of the Presbyterian Sunday school. My friend's parents didn't think that was so funny. My dad really got a kick out of it. I bet if my parents had been Unitarians, though, they would have been a little more serious. They would have thought about our first principle to respect the inherent worth and dignity of every person, and they wouldn't have taken me to the church supper and let me pass along my measles. It really wasn't a very nice thing for them to do. Then Then came junior high school, and I began to get fat. I got fatter and fatter and fatter. My mother was a wonderful cook, and she never cautioned me about overeating. And so just at the age when I longed for everybody to like me, I was just too fat to feel good about myself or my body. At that age, we think about our bodies alike, and I didn't like mine, nor did anybody else I cared about. William James said that our bodies are our primary gauge of our self-concept. Our self-concept begins with the way we perceive our bodies. If we don't feel good about our bodies, we may not feel good about ourselves. I spent some pretty miserable years fighting that, and I no longer thought that I was hot or super adorable, although I still thought I was pretty smart. I wasn't. But my schools were not very difficult. I was not challenged by schoolwork, and I sort of walked through it rather than becoming increasingly interested. I didn't have a math teacher who encouraged me or supported me. I didn't have a science teacher who showed us how to do interesting experiments and concoct things that would blow up or morph into outrageous shapes or who would bubble in steam, or that would bubble in steam, and, or who encouraged us to do experiments on our own. I didn't have a religious education group to go to on Sundays. We did a lot of really boring things in Sunday school, like memorizing the books of the Old and New Testaments, having contests about people and events in Bible stories. I often won those contests and took studying the Bible verses very seriously because I wanted to win, not because I was interested. I needed a good RE class like we have here. Clap, everybody. We do have good ones here. Where I could have learned about Unitarian Universalist principles and world religions. I was kind of a wildflower socially, and I didn't feel very good because I wanted desperately to be popular and for boys to ask me to dance at parties. In high school, we still went to the Presbyterian Church every Sunday, 
And the minister, wherever we lived, was always a family friend. But Sunday school was awful. Even when a handsome football player, a star actually, of the University of Texas team taught it. It was boring. No Al. No youth group to hang out with. No camping trips. The Methodists had a large youth group, but at the Methodist youth group meetings, they were always nagging at us to sign a statement that we would never smoke or drink. They didn't have discussions or talks with us about why we shouldn't smoke or drink. They just made a big deal about smoking and drinking being sinful. They told us that we could take a big step away from hell and towards salvation in heaven if we just took the pledge and signed our names on the dotted line. By that time, I need better, better explanations for what was good and what was bad, and so I left the Methodist youth group. Actually, my parents were real proud of me because I did that. By the time I entered high school, I was still fat and lonely and desperately wanted to be the star of some show if I couldn't be the belle of the ball. The question was, what show did I want to star in? Schoolwork was still easy for me. I never sank my teeth into anything much, never exercised my mind very much, and continued to search for something I could excel in that would cause people to notice me and hopefully to like me and respect me because that's what I needed when I started out in high school. I needed the respect of other people in order to respect myself. It's been a long, long time since I've spent even five minutes thinking about those days. Recalling my discomfort, my feelings of anxiety, my feelings that I needed people to affirm me, people who were not my parents. I still need people to affirm me, but I'm more intrinsically inspired these days, thank goodness. I need the support and affirmation of real, regular grown-ups who weren't required to love me like my parents naturally did love me. People like we have here who are always friendly to children and youth and who welcome all sorts of people. This is a place where all the children and youth can be sure that the adults will be kind and considerate, will listen to them, and that the grown-ups here can be trusted. The grown-ups in this church are good listeners and will pay attention when children and youth talk to them and have conversations with them. I have never seen a child getting the brush off here by any adult. It's just wonderful. Don't you all agree? I wonder if you all know how really fortunate you are, you young people, to have parents who have given so much thought to your religious education and who have chosen to bring you to this church. Because religious education is a serious business. Religious education is important because it helps you to sort out your own values. This church is very special. You have wonderful RE teachers who respect you, listen to you, help you solve problems, play and sing with you. Most important, the grown-ups at All Souls take you seriously. 
Before I entered high school, I think when I was in the eighth grade, I finally found something I wanted to do. I wanted to play the clarinet. I wanted to be in the band. For three years, I'd taken piano lessons, and I liked that a lot, but we moved to a different town, and I discovered the band. Now, playing the clarinet was about the worst instrument for me in a particular way. It makes your top front teeth stick out. My parents didn't have enough money for me to go to the orthodontist. And why they let me talk them into playing the clarinet, I do not know. I'd have been a lot better off to play the flute, or better yet, to play the trumpet or trombone, so that when I played, the mouthpiece would help push my teeth back rather than forward. But we found a second-hand clarinet, and before long I learned to play it without squawking. We had a new band director who had just graduated from North Texas State University, which has an excellent music program. Mr. Renfro loved his work, taught us to play marches for football games, jazz, and classical music. He was a perfectionist, and I learned a huge amount about music from him. If he raised his baton and we didn't look at him, he scolded us. If we didn't all start playing at the same exact time, he scolded us. If he signaled us to play softly and we blew too hard, he scolded us. When we marched, if we didn't stay in a straight line, he bawled us out. He was a hard taskmaster. We did not love him, but we respected him. And we knew that we were learning great things from him. Our junior high school band, I lived in Texas City, Texas during those years, went to band contests all over Texas and in Oklahoma, and we always won first place in symphonic band and also marching band. I rose to the second chair in the first clarinet section. Now, that may not sound like anything to you all, but let me tell you, it was a big deal. We had 30 or 40 clarinets. I was proud of my newly learned skills. I learned to distinguish between good playing and not so good playing. It's been a lot to me. Music became a big part of my life, and even however he scared us and however he scolded us, we learned to practice hard, to play accurately, with feeling. We learned to play well. Every step along the way of my childhood, good teachers made a big difference to me in high school, university, graduate school. I've never forgotten the names or the faces of those special teachers who listened, who patiently taught math. Let me just explain to you about the math part. When I started in my doctoral program at the University of Texas, I was 45 years old. You know, I could add and subtract and multiply and divide, and I remembered things about isosceles triangles, but that's about all I remembered about mathematics, and I had to do doctoral-level statistics. Well, I could understand the concepts, but I couldn't do the arithmetic. And so I used to go to the office of the head of the department, and he would help me with my homework because it was in his class. This man had been a professor at the University of Michigan, and they do statistics there. You know, they have that big institute of social research there. This man had written one of the most widely bought textbooks on statistics in the world. 
And I did, I was so naive that I used to go and sit in his office and have him help me work out problems. And he did it. He was known all over the world. And he helped me work out my homework problems. God. I just, you know, and he was just so kind. I had a good teacher who taught me Latin, who wrote notes on my essays for English class, and who helped me to learn about American foreign policy and anthropology and world literature. And through those teachers, I learned, became more confident, became more comfortable with myself, and as a young person, learning how I wanted to live my life in the big world. Because that's what school is really all about, and religious education, learning how you want to live in the big world. I can never thank them enough. I hope you'll feel the same way. And we'll learn to enjoy school as well as your religious education. The people who teach you here at All Souls don't get paid for it. They teach you because they care about you. They care about our Unitarian Universalist faith. And they care about all souls, this church. They want to help you learn about our religion and other religions so that you will face in your adult years when you have on your own families, so that you will face that with a better sense of yourself and why you make the choices you make. A lot of love goes into your RE classes. I know that you probably sense that. Every step in the way of life, we face new problems, new issues, new situations to figure out, new moral and ethical dilemmas to make choices and decisions about. And through each transition from the head of one line to the back of the next line, you know, as soon as you get through one line, you, know, you go to the back of the next one. You may feel afraid or anxious or worried that people won't like you or that you'll mess up. But there are people out there, especially in our UU churches, wherever you may be, people you can count on to help you. To grow up as a Unitarian Universalist is like belonging to a very special club. It's a club that's open to everybody. You speak the same language of morality, religion, and ethical principles, even though you may have different approaches to morality, religion, and ethics. You know how to manage in discussions with people who think differently and to respect them, even though you disagree, and they will respect you as well. So as you go through this transition into another age group and another class, I hope you'll remember, all of you young folks, that it is okay when you get stuck to talk not only to your parents, but to other adults here at this UU church or others. I want to congratulate all you children and youth parents and teachers and all of you who take time to get to know the children and youth here at All Souls, you're transforming not only yourselves, but you are transforming the world. 
Thank you for being who you are. For adding freshness and joy to all of us here at All Souls. Because of you young people, we can feel hopeful about our future. Everybody look at your hands. Hold them up. Probably going to embarrass myself here, but I want to sing with me. You got the whole world in your hands. You've got the whole world in your hands. You've got the whole world in your hands. You've got the whole world in your hands. Ah, I've got the whole world in my hands. Louder! I've got the whole world. Sing! In my hands, I've got the whole world. In my hands, I've got the whole world in my hands. And by God, you do. <laughs> <laughs>